your jacket, Pepsi. I'm there for the pack out. You just got to pack me in. Committed to the bow early on. Like, I love getting close and putting up. You cover a range of stuff on here, too, right? Like, we call this the, uh, the THP World Headquarters. You know, my grandpa, Roy Weatherby. I came into, like, that golden little pocket where there was, like, four or five different bowls. Just... You're Canadian? We're doing yeah, a Canadian I... podcast? My name's Douglas Stokes. I'm Robbie Denning. Roy Candy. Yeah. So, but anyway, good. yeah, I think you should totally go next year. I think it'd be. You played second this year, which was badass. Yeah, that yeah, was awesome. It and was... now you're dialed in. Now you know what to practice for. Now you're like, now you know exactly what it's like. So, you know, it yeah. doesn't get any easier, but at least you know what to practice for. And like, what were yes. you saying about like you're in the finals there? Well, yeah. So in, in like, they didn't have, they've got judges on every course that can, you know, if there's any issues, anything like that. And they kind of wander between all the, uh, all the targets and stuff. Um, but in the fines and, and you're allowed, don't quote me, but I think it's, let's say minute 30 for your shot, which is, it's lots, you know, like you can wait for some gusts of wind. You can do your, whatever your process might be. Like for me, when I walk up to a target, I range it, I dial it because I've got the movable sights with the triple stack. Um, then I knock an arrow and then I set the binos on top of my, my bow and I'm looking at where I'm shooting. And then after that, you know, it, it's all business at that point, clip in, if you got to wipe your hands cause of sweat or whatever, do that and then shoot. So it's the exact same every time. And I found that really helped me out, but in the finals, you only have 60 seconds and believe me, everybody was shitting their bricks because I was down to the last. 10 seconds every single time every I would almost always be the last person shooting going through my process and there was once where I actually forgot I was looking at this target and I knew the two dots that I was aiming at like on the target itself but I hadn't looked with my binos I clipped in and was like shit forgot to look so I quickly unclipped which cost me seconds looked okay yeah double checking that is where I want to hit clip back in pull back and I rushed that shot. I got an eight on that shot where it should have been a gimme. It was a gimme 11, just being perfectly honest. It wasn't a far shot. It was only like 24 yards or something like that. Small target, but lots of little dots. Mm-hmm. But I just had to make sure, you know, I'm not shooting at the right one. Anyway, so on my very, very last shot, I did my whole process, but the heat finally got to me. <laughs> and I locked in and I was just about to pull back. And I was like, did I actually, I was looking at my dial from my angle and I was like, I don't think that's the right yardage. I think I forgot to range my freaking sheet. <laughs> so I had to unclip, double check with the range finder. Last thing I need to do is miss my target completely, you know, on the last one. <laughs> and I had done it. I actually had gone through the process. I had done it, but it'd been a long, hot weekend. Yeah. And it just finally, it was not, not even the pressure. It was just like shit. Cause they call out when there's 10 seconds left Yeah, and it was literally at 10 seconds when I was looking down at my dial and like, Oh shit. And I was rushed. Like even I know that. And all I knew is I had to hit it behind the shoulder, like a normal, it was in the proper spot. Like sometimes your targets are off where you'd think you'd shoot. Yeah. So I already had looked at this thing before and I was like, I just said, fuck it. As soon as I saw the dial and I heard five seconds, I literally clipped in, pulled back, 
set as quick as I could. I just got my peep lined up and I just put it right behind the shoulder for a 10. Yeah. But you shouldn't be panicked in that situation. The only reason I was is because I second guessed my process. So next time I think going into it, what I saw a lot of the other obviously experienced archers do is even when they're not at the shooting line or as they're walking up to the shooting line, they're already putting an arrow knocked. They're oh, not yeah, clipping sure. in or anything. Right. That's saving them seconds. That's three, yeah. four seconds, maybe even five seconds right so, there. That, can I ask so. you something? So like your process is you get to the line, you bino or you range no, first? I range first. Then you bino? No, I range. Then I set my dial. Okay. So that my yardage always changes because the one okay, thing you then you knock an arrow, knock an arrow, then you bino, then I bino and I pick out my spot on the animal. Okay, what is the glass like in your binos? It's not bad. It's I've okay. Got what's more. okay? What sorry? Okay, not your binos. What's the glass like in your rangefinder? It's pretty good. It doesn't have the zoom. Like I've I've got kind of a lower end. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a lower end archery. Um, so rangefinder. So, yeah. So when Dave, Dave, Dave Campbell and I, we were out shooting, shooting at the range yeah. and <clears throat> I didn't bring binos. Right. And he's binoing all the time and he's ranging He's binoing all the time and he's ranging. And I'm like, isn't that annoying? And he's like, yeah. And then I look through his, his range finder. Yeah. And it was terrible. Then he looks through mine and it's like looking through a set of binoculars, but my, I got really, I got the top end, those Leopold top end. Yeah. Um, right, that rainfinder, which is it's got total zoom, total clear. But the thing is, I find when I'm bow hunting, I don't like, I like having that option because I use my rangefinder a lot of the times. Yeah, as my as my glass, I just quickly like hold it up and I'll glass and I'll use use that. That way, I can do both. I'm not having to switch back and forth. And I hate, I don't like the rangefinding binoculars. I have a set. I don't like them. They're just too big and bulky. Yeah. never liked them so that's one thing to think of too okay um okay so let's say like in the hunter class which is what i was in yeah it's 40 yards tops yeah so it's more angles and everything that you're dealing with yeah um how clear can you see those you know one inch little 11 rings clear so like we're clear so like we're shooting at we're pot shooting those balloons out at 100 yards yeah 102 yards and Dave nailed his first yard, first time, first shot. It was yeah. funny because like he could hit that fucking eighty yard one forever. <laughs> and then I'm like, dude, like, and then we're looking and we're messing around with his rangefinder, and his rangefinder is like throwing different ranges than mine. Okay. So I'm like, dude, dial into my rangefinder. So he dials in and he hits it. And I'm like, yeah, they don't make when they make tapes for um for for your your sight. They don't take, they don't compensate for shitty rangefinders. So it's got to be on. Well, so then he hits it, but like, um, so he was hitting that and I was like, look through my rangefinder. And he's like, holy Christ, you could see the knot on that balloon. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to just add out there. Dave's balloon was definitely a lot bigger than mine. (laughs) I did see those pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Dave, you had to throw that out there. Yeah. No, that that's a real interesting one there. I might, uh, I might have to look into investing into something like that if I'm going to go farther with this. Yeah, you dude, because- even for bow hunting, like I, the reason I I feel it's worthwhile spending a thousand bucks on a good rangefinder is because so many times 
I've done it like where you have to like binos, rangefinder, and you're holding your bow. You can't do both, right? Yeah. You got your bow in your hand, rangefinder, put it down, binos, range, like you get you get some good glass in a good rangefinder that has a good zoom. Man, you can you can see a you can see really good like. I mean, obviously, you're not going to be able to see as far as your binos, but it's still really clear up to like your shooting range. And like when you're shooting on an animal, I mean, really, what's your range? Like what's your your range is like 60, 70 yards, 80 max type of thing. Yeah. I mean, depending on the situation, but like it's going to it's more than good for that situation. Just just well, yeah. throwing it out there anyway. Well, it's funny, like even on the topic of that we like I shot in a couple different groups with some different people and all of us had different range finders and it was funny because some, there was one person in particular, two people actually one on each day, they were having problems hitting. Like they, they kept hitting low all the time. We're like, well, what's going on? You know, maybe it's your form or, you know, like dropping your bow or something. And they were like, well, what did you range it at? And they tell us, me, like, well, it's not what we ranged it at. Like, you know, yeah. like the group of three or whatever. And we're like, I got this. And, you know, you match up with the other person. The other person would be about like three yards out or four yards out. Well, that's yeah. huge. Huge. That's a, that's that's massive. You're you're getting points, but you're missing out on some. Yeah. You're dropping points left, right, and center because your rangefinder is not picking up properly. Yeah, and like a lot of rangefinders do that, and like that's why it pays to have a good quality rangefinder, especially if you're going to yeah. be into archery and bow hunting. And uh, um, yeah, and I, I think there's another guy when we were at the Bighorn who. He was having problems with his rangefinder as well. He was getting, he was getting different ranges. I don't remember. Uh, that. Yeah, I wonder if that was might possibly, but no, it's gonna say maybe Jerry in our group, but it could have been yeah. somebody else. I don't. Yeah. I don't anyway, remember. but it's it's really important. But another thing to take in to um, think about too is what your rangefinder set up because I think even like the lower age, lower um, quality rangefinders now they have it where you can have so you're you're doing the horizontal it'll compensate for your angles or if it's line of sight. So that's one thing to make sure that you're on HCD rather than LOS. Yeah. Mine, mine definitely has the angle compensation yeah. in it where, you know, I was, I was talking to lots of people and they were talking about cutting and all this kind of stuff. Cause they don't have it. Like their range, their range is for horizontal. That's all the range finder will do. And they have to figure out how to cut or add or whatever, yeah. like hold yeah. it. And what that is for everybody is when you're on a slope, you know, like these range finders are ranging, straight across like as the bird flies it's not like on an angle it actually changes your slope a bit and how you have to shoot it but if you have a rangefinder that already figures that out for you if it says 33 yards it's 33 yards that's what you set your, your you don't have to worry about aiming a little yeah. high or a yeah, little it, low it takes it takes the geometry out of it so you don't have to figure it all out yeah um which makes life pretty good pretty yeah. easy um yeah and mine's yeah, pretty, so. mine's always been pretty bang on. Like I've been really happy with it and mm -hmm. I can't range long distances like long. And I'm talking like for rifle, like I'm up to 300 yards. And after that, it doesn't really take anything. Oh, really? I don't care because, well, look what we hunt in. Like it's, I haven't, you know, far the shot I've taken the last, yeah. you know, six, seven years is probably 220 yards. Yeah. But I think that speaks mm -hmm. to the quality of the range finder itself. Like yes. mine will range out to two, over 2000 yards. Yeah. But obviously, you know, I'm not sending arrows 2000 yards. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but, without a doubt. Yeah. But it, it just speaks. <clears throat> and like mine, that Leopold, it is like, 
it is so quick the reaction time on it and it's so yeah. clear the nice thing that the what really sold me on that rangefinder besides the clarity was the fact that it has it's got that arc that's got that arc technology in it yeah. so if i'm ranging say an animal or in a three let's just talk about 3d i'm we're at a 3d and i'm ranging the target and if there's anything that's going to come in the way of my arrow through the arrow path, it's going to throw a little line up and say, look out for this because that's going to hit. It calculates. So basically what you do is you plug it into your computer, you download the program, and then you put in the, you put in the, all your arrow uh, dimensions, like the length, weight, you put in the poundage of your bow um, and the speed too, the speed of the arrow. And then it figures out your what, like it basically figures out your line, your your path, like your shot line. Make yeah. sure that nothing you're shooting on nothing, no branches are going to get in the way. And if there, if it picks up anything in its in its view, it's going to throw a little line off, and it's going to flash in there, and it's going to show you where your arrow is going to hit. So it'll hit a tree or a branch or anything like that. I wonder how many hunters <laughs> would have saved some heartbreak. Oh, dude, me from that. Me, like, you know how many times, like, not like, not a lot of times, but it's happened. Like, I remember bear hunting. I shot on, I think we, you and I even talked about this on the show. And like, I shot at the bear and like, had it totally set, like had my pin settled. Everything was good. Let it go. And like the bear, like I just seen the bear run away and he ran away and I didn't hear, it wasn't a sound of the arrow hitting him. Like didn't hit him. And then I look up and the, that branch was moving above, like just moving a little bit back and forth. And I was like, fuck. Well, especially if you're in thick stuff and the shadows are playing on you, like two hours from now, you might see that same stick. Because well, I mean, in BC, when are you not shooting? Like very rarely are you shooting when you don't have obstructions. Like if yeah. you're in the bush, you have obstructions. Yeah. Like, you like yeah, you're going to have a path. Them. Yeah, you have to practice those. And that's why it's good to know your arrow path for sure. Um, I've practiced that lots, but I mean, like still shit happens. And like, you're like, how far is that branch? Is that that far? Is it like, cause it's going to make a different, it's going to have a different impact point depending on how far along it is in the path of the arrow. If it's at 20 yards, it's going to be different than it is at 30 yards or 40 yards. If the animal's at 50, right? Yeah. Like the height is going to peak at a certain point and it's going to come down. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but my suggestion that I tell a lot of new hunters, even some experienced hunters that don't think about it, is even though you got a rangefinder, as you're you're walking through the bush, guess trees, guess bushes, double check with your rangefinder because you may not have an opportunity. You might oh, turn yeah. that corner and whatever your target animal is, or just a animal is looking straight at you, you only have seconds to like Maybe you got an yeah. arrow knocked. I don't know. And shoot. So you have to be able to figure that out because there's no way you're going to be able to range it, mm -mm. then get an arrow ready and shoot and get that well, animal that, with a good shot. That happened on that whitetail last year that I missed that big, that giant, um, that gi big giant, uh, is it a three by three or four by four? I can't remember, but that big sucker, he was coming in, he coming in hard to my rattles and like where he, he was running in, running in. And then like, I was moving through the tree and like, he comes walking right through an opening and I go, I just stop him. Bruh. Didn't have a shot drop to my knees. I had to pull back and guess the range. And I just guessed the wrong range. And I just shot a little over his back. He ducked went a little over his back, but I mean, and I practice, you know, I, I do practice 
guessing ranges, but the thing is it's really difficult because I know I like I shoot in my front yard every day. I know exactly what to the within a yard of where I am just by how I'm standing on my fence line. Yeah. So it 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 it's difficult there because when you're in when you're in the heat of the moment and you have trees and you have things in front of you and behind you and you have de- a lot of lift different depths, it's a lot harder to judge. So it is really hard to, it's really, really well, good to practice. Especially shooting over a little gap. Like we're not talking a big valley mm-hmm. or anything, just a gap, you know, yeah, I mean, 40, yard, 40 yards, 40 yards. Wide and your eyes are going to get pulled down. You make, oh, that's way yeah. more than 40 yards. Or- well, that, that's what it was. It was for, I guess, 50 and he was like 42 or something and it just sailed over his back. Yeah, I gave him a haircut. That was a fuck. He was a beauty deer too. Maybe this year. <laughs> Maybe I. Yeah. I'm, I think this year I'm going to go after that that big one that I was sending you pictures of. Oh yeah, yeah. I definitely I have one. I'm keeping my eye out for. I haven't posted any. I'm not going to post any pictures of the one I sent you pictures of. That's going to be my my target white tail anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you think? That's a oh, big man. fucking white tail, dude. I was like, I don't know where that thing came from. You but. sent me that picture, and I was like, uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that, that's a big deer. <laughs> yeah. That's a big that just, deer. I think like, maybe what I'll do is I'll go on my Instagram, I'll post the deer, and where you were, yeah, <laughs> Vancouver, <laughs> Vancouver Island. That's where I was, Vancouver Island. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. Yeah, it's I'm I'm actually this this upcoming week here. I'm gonna start practicing shooting. Um I've got it's funny for I bought this fold-out chair for moose hunting because a lot of times we're calling for an it's hour or two a, at a time. Is it really a fold-out chair? It's not like a cot. Well, you know, maybe I could get an extension <laughs> something for my feet to go up. <laughs> but it's uh, I actually got it from Cabela's and it's just a, a fold out. It's almost like a beach chair that sit really low to the ground. So you're not like super high up. And I'm going to practice shooting out of that because especially late season whitetail, depending on the conditions, like last year when I was trying to stomp around, it's so bloody noisy. You know, if, if I find an area where it's like, okay, I'm going to do some rattling. I'm going to sit here for an hour or two or whatever. If I can sit still and be comfortable, then I'm not making much movement at all but I still have to be able to shoot from that position. If I hear something coming in, you know, even moose, if I hear a moose grunting or whatever, I'm going to get up and get out. But this is that situation where something sneaks in. Yeah. You can't move. Well, you better believe if you're sitting down or whatever, you better be able to shoot from that position. So you better get some reps in knowing that you can. Yeah. And, yeah. and what your, what your range is. Cause yeah, we can all sit down and turn sideways while we're sitting and shoot. Can you do that shooting straight? Well, ahead? you have to be able to do it quietly too. That's the thing. You can't be shuffling yeah. around in your chair. You have to be sitting in a position that you can shoot from. Cause when you're in a blind, those deer hear everything. So yeah. they're going to hear you move, especially in the wintertime. Everything echoes, like everything is amplified in the snow. And it's like, they can hear you shuffling in that chair. So you have to be able to like yeah, and, draw in the chair. And shoot from your awkward positions too. Like seriously, try shooting straight ahead without turning. You know, like oh fuck yeah. Uh, well, you, when I go into when I sit on my blind, I only sit in the direction where I can. Like if it's if it's like ninety degrees, I'll sit so I'm I can draw my bow back in the chair, and that's 
Like I could twist that way. Yeah. And if I'll I have to, to move. This... I, I have to wait for him to come into that area. I, yeah. I can't, and, can't move from that spot. And I won't be in a blind because I'm going to be mobile. It's just with moose hunting, you're calling from one spot for a while. Yeah, Sometimes it takes a while. Away. So, and like I say, if I can hear it, I'm getting up. I'm not going to be on the ground, but when you're just sitting there, yeah, there's no blind or anything, but you definitely have to be like, okay, I'm anticipating them coming in. These are my shooting lanes. What's the best play, best way to situate yourself, but you better practice everything because you yeah. know, that's what's going to happen. You're going to practice one thing and then that animal's going to be dead center on you. And you're going to be motherfucker. I, I haven't practiced this shot. I can't bring my bow back that way or it's guaranteed. It's going to happen. It's just yeah. Murphy's law. For sure. Yeah. It's good to practice all snares. I definitely don't do that enough. I got to do that more, but like I said, I, uh, it's definitely a lot easier when I go down to like uh, the folks place there in rock Creek than and shoot there than it is to shoot in my driver. Cause it's just like, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's just, I'm just making excuses now. Well, it does too. When you got nice wide open areas, it, it is always easier. Yeah, to when practice. You have white, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rather than just a lane. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like you can step out of that lane. You have to shoot in that lane. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, for sure. Uh, so what's going on for the first? Well, right now I'm trying to, I went and checked some cameras the other day. I mean, I've got lots of nice deer, half decent deers, one really nice deer on my cameras. Um, I'm having problems with some elk at the moment. I'm not sure if it's because of the heat and the smoke. Dude, it's dry everywhere. So I, yeah. I've been talking to a lot of guys. A lot of lately, um, a lot of guys have been DMing me on Instagram about their elk spots and stuff. And they're like, man, I, I always have elk on my trail cameras in this area, this time of the year. And it's like, I'm like, well, how dry is it? And they're like, oh, it's freaking dry. And like, well, yeah. there you go. They need water. They have to have water every day. They're not like mule deer. Like mule deer could be up there. And they're like, yeah, we, I've got mule deer on it. I mean, yeah, but mule deer. I mean they don't need water every day and like they can probably you know, get most of their stuff out of their vegetation and their food that they're yeah eating. and i just think the way they're designed um they just have learned to like you know some animals just need less water than others so i think that's just part of their you know the cool thing about mule deer but yeah. i mean yeah you find mule deer in places that are so dry that you're like how the hell could you even live up here but yeah. uh I mean, when it comes to the elk, the elk need to be water. So like, same yeah. thing, find running water, like find cows that are working, running water and then, you know, yeah. stick with that. And that's, I, I do have a spot that I learned of last year where I saw elk three times the exact same spot. So I've been e-scouting that area. It's out in my moose area. Um, so depending on the fire situation, that's the one reason that's kept me from going out there. Um, I want to set up cameras and then have them all burned down. So, well, and just like being out in that smoke, we're out in it for work, man. And it's like, man, it's, I'm, it's no fun. It's dawning. I mean, you're out cause you have to be out, but like, if you don't I'm have to be out, it. it's, yeah. I can't it's imagine not, you guys. Yeah. So it, it, here, it actually cleared up a lot. It actually, the wind changed. Uh, we didn't get any of the rain, unfortunately, but it blew the smoke. And it's funny cause the kids, they're like, oh, I want to go in the pool. So I went and took the cover off them, but there's like pine cone like there's like cone like pine needles burnt that are like three inches long wow and like yeah it's just like ugh, the cleanup is gonna be is gonna be daunting but hey man i'm not complaining my house yeah. is still standing that's right yeah definitely could have been worse definitely could have been worse 
So yeah, I mean, we're, we, we're fortunate enough here. We've just had like a solid 12 hours of straight soaker rain. as I like to call it. It's not like coming down hard. It's just nice and steady. So that may change things. I got a couple of cows. Like I do have some elk. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but I don't have any bulls yet. So it's probably going to end up being a last minute decision um, next week when we pull some cameras. And this weekend, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna head out into the back country. Yeah, to and you check get out. you get the any bull season, which is yes. beautiful. So I do not care. I am just literally looking for some cows. Spikes going cows. down. Oh, spikes going down. I think my first archery kill, bud. This poor, poor animal that's got, poor elk that's got a spike on it. Sorry, dude. Next year, I'll go up to your bigger brother, but I'm I'm launching. (laughs) I'm launching. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes the pressure off for the moose too. Like I'm going hard for the moose, but if I can have a small elk in the freezer. That's not really a, it's not really small. Like a small elk's not really small. Like No, but I I do split everything with my hunting partner. So. You so know, like, so do you split it? The like, do you split it? Split it like he gets the front half, you get the back half. No, we we just have it worked out. So we each get, you know, like his family actually likes a lot more hamburger than they right. do roasts and stuff. So we we make sure we all have, you know, equal amounts of good meat. But when it comes to, you know, a lot of times you're like, okay, I need more hamburger, give me your hamburger, and I'll just trade them for roast because we do a lot more big family family dinners and stuff so i'll take more roasts yeah so yeah it, we just we just figure it out but yeah nobody gets shafted so it's yeah. just we just i i give i give away a lot like i gave to my brother i gave i gave him half a mule deer i gave him a quarter of a of a moose gave my other buddy a quarter of the moose just because i was i have three freezers and they're like jagged at the yeah. end of the season but that's the thing and like come this time of the year i'm like fuck man like i got you know two freezers are empty and one's getting pretty low but i mean luckily it's september 1st which isn't a guarantee but i mean wyatt's got tags and i got tags and actually brie she's she's just getting hers going here now so that's awesome should get some uh should get some meat in the freezer hopefully and i'm going on uh so I'll have elk to hunt here in Alberta, mule deer, early mule deer. I'll be going for on the first, same as every year, going after that velvet buck. Nice. Um, but, you know, it's tough in BC because we only have a couple days and then they rub. And, you know, there's so many years where it's been like, and a lot of the years too, I've, I've, I've come across good muleys, but they've already rubbed their velvet off or half off and like, or they rub it off, you know, the first or the second or the, usually it doesn't yeah. stay on for too long so no and that's what i find too that that last week it's like oh oh, oh even you know like i've, I've yeah. caught the odd decent sized bull with, with velvet still on and then the next day in the camera you're like son of a bitch you didn't quite make yeah. it to the first or yeah yeah um and then i'll be chasing yeah i guess well, number one's muley first and then i'm gonna go after elk and then i think uh We'll see how that goes. If I don't get, if I, if I don't find a good and like the velvet muley I want, I'll just, I'll focus back on hunting muleys towards the end of October. And, um, if it doesn't work out for the archery elk, I'll wait till more towards like the end of September. And then I'll just hunt with the kids. But, uh, I'm also, I got that, I got a going on a elk hunt in Alberta this year. So oh, I didn't know I, that. Yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure we talked about this. 
Oh, I, I thought I knew about like the bear hunt you were thinking about going on. Yeah. Well, that was with Muck, but yeah. I never got a call from him. So, yeah. um, yeah, anyway, I'm going, I got, I got a, a elk hunt in Alberta. Nice. Uh, and then I, you know, I, I was kind of thinking about going later, like October ish going up North and trying for a bison. Oh, really? Yeah. You can get either sex up there. I mean, obviously I'd like to get a bull, but I mean, I don't, I just want yeah. that meat. My buddy sent me some meat a couple of years ago and man, it's, good. Just, it's so good. It's so cold up there. <laughs> <laughs> like that's no joke when you go up there for that hunt i've talked to a few people that have gone on it and there's no joke yeah like that's that's some serious cold and some nasty weather you have to be prepped for yeah and you need sleds and yeah and i, I think there's a lot of access depending on where you're going where you, if there isn't snow you you can't really get access well it would be it's in like busy. october i think so i'm pretty yeah, sure they should I, have it up there by now sure yeah by then they would i guess some places depending on your elevation if you're not too high i guess you still oh i don't know if you're, depending on your elevation i think for snow and just the type of year it is yeah um and then yeah i guess i don't know white tail that's not that's not leh then up there no the that's open no bison's open up there region oh, yeah. seven Nice. So they do have LEHs for bison, and I guess they must be in a more accessible zone. But um, everything's pretty accessible with the snowmobile. So that's good. And then, sorry, you said uh, whitetail after that. Whitetail after that, yeah. And maybe I mean I didn't get a bear this year, so maybe a bear. We'll oh see. man, Evie, we got our bear back. Part yeah. of it back. I haven't done the the hams yet, but we got our our bratwurst and our pepperoni back. And Evie just looked at me after she had both. She's like, you're shooting a bear every year. Yeah. So good. They did such a good job with it. It It's just like, and that's all I was, I I know these guys, they, they always do a rock solid job, but you know what I mean? It's like, we've talked about before that first time. It's like, please let this be like one of the best batches you have ever made to blow my wife's mind. And then it's like, what, why are you home? Go go out and get me some, some meat sticks. (laughs) And and it's such (laughs) That's the thing about bear, like spring bear hunting is it's such, it's such a great time to be out, right? Cause everything's turning, you know, starting to turn green again. And you've been sitting around all winter, man, they're just such a fun animal to hunt. And like, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's just such a blast. We're so blessed that we get to shoot two of them. Oh man. Yeah. It's not that it matters. I mean, I didn't even shoot one this <laughs> so far. So what difference does it make if we shoot one or two? Oh. Yeah, poor bear that walks out in front of me too. <laughs> yeah, anything that moves. <laughs> yeah, even the squirrels. Well, I'm gonna have a squirrel mounted up in my backdrop here. I'm like, that's right. He was chirping when he should have been shot off. <laughs> oh man, there's been many a times when I felt like just sending an arrow through a squirrel. But I don't know if it's worth the arrow. Arrows oh, are hard not. to come by these days. Yeah, hard to arrows, find. broadhead. It's a lot of. Yeah, it's kind of expensive. No doubt. What about you? Elk, uh, moose, whitetail. Elk for, elk for the first two weeks here. Um, then moose, just straight moose. And then I've got I got a couple of days specifically booked off in November that I've just had constant luck in having uh you know decent mature whitetails coming through my cameras, my my certain deer areas. 
Yeah. And I specifically took off four days so that I could, even though it's rifle season for everybody else, so I could focus with my bow during that. Like, I just find that's the hardest they're chasing the does in this one time that I've got booked off around here. Yeah. So that's a target one there. And then right after that, I have, uh, actually just before that, I, I've got my, almost the whole mule deer rut booked off like the last end of it here. Yeah. I think I've got the third to the 10th or something like that. And this year I made sure that I booked off the last day of the rut on like last year. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, it'll, yeah. Moose is primary, but I'm going to focus on my elk the first couple of weeks. And, uh, just cause I got the, any bull, you might as well go out, take it, try to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's 100% moose unless something walks out in front of me and I have to change my mind and be like, all right, sacrificing today. We're going after that right now. Cause it's right there. That's about it. So mm-hmm. how's the mule deer hunting out there? Uh, it was really bad for a while because like, our populations went down so bad and then they started making a comeback. And then I, I don't hunt mule deer south of me, like toward the border at all. So I can't speak for down there. Um, in our Valley, it was really starting to pick up again. And then the trans Canada, uh, highway did the reroute through radium to golden when they were redoing the, the trans Canada in between golden and field. Yeah. And the amount of traffic that we went through it, the roadkill was crazy because all the mule deer throughout, like even after the rut, they, they tend to work their way down to the valley bottom here. And a lot of them, a lot of the mature bucks and the does, they're, they're just getting smucked on the highway. So we'll see. I can't remember if we have one more winter of that or if it's done. I'll find out in the fall time if they do one more reroute. I'm hoping it's done. Um, so it's, it's so, so it depends on where you're going. But uh, a lot of the numbers, I'm not seeing them like I was in the last two years. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. It's going to take a while for them to come back. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, I was wondering, because you, you definitely send a lot of big-ass, well, you actually post a lot of pictures of big-ass deer. Yeah. Big-ass mealies. We've, we've got some that are, I mean, there's some that are town bucks. There's some that are like, I call them, you know, almost like hybrids. They're not... They just kind of live on the edge of town, but most of the time they're just on the edge. Mm-hmm. Like they're still living like a normal deer for the most part, other than the fact they seem to know, be like, oh, this is kind of private property up here, but they still sneak onto other areas where people can hunt. Um, but yeah, there's some, there's some good genetics here. They just need to be, need to be left so that they can actually do some breeding and get some, get some population numbers out there. But we have some good genetics out here. Just need yeah. time. That's all just just need time so yeah. we'll see I'm, I'm hoping i can the find city a nice bucks are, yeah they're insane oh. we got some big ones around here too yeah, yeah this we, year's gonna be it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be yeah what about you for your your mule deer out there you see now rise a drop or uh it's it's been pretty steady i mean i haven't i mean obviously i don't know you guy I, I haven't like I used to hunt mule deer in a lot of different places than I hunt them now. So, I mean, I haven't been into those areas where I've taken some, like some of my bigger mule deer out, you know, like that the one. 200, 190 class. Yeah. Um, so I haven't been up there in a, in a lot of years just because there's been so many wolves and like, um, 
Yeah. And I, I hunt with a bow now in those places that those deer are in. It's, I just like, I mean, it's not impossible to do with a bow, but I mean, there's just the odds of it are so would be so low that it's just so hard just because the landscape is so crazy. Yeah. So, um, Anna, you know, I, I like, I, I, for the, I've been chasing a velvet buck now for, man, I don't know how long for a long time. I I've never been, that's the one thing. I haven't got yet was a velvet buck just because you know it's it's tough because like i said earlier you only have a couple days to do it and you know i'm not going to just shoot any buck so you know i want him to be a nice buck you, you know a nice big big three or a nice good size four you know or just something with a lot of character uh so uh or just like you know like a really nice looking deer so uh yeah and then this year though it's going to be interesting with my hip so i'm not going to be able to really i'm not going to be super mobile so i'm definitely going to have to be more strategic with my hunting and yeah it's going to be i've been thinking about that a lot just because you know my mobility issues you know i'll be good for a day but then it's like that's a problem is my hip gets so sore after using it for one day that i'm usually down for two so It'll, uh, it's going to affect my... the time. Will that affect the time of day that you hunt then? If you got to maybe try to catch them in their transition or like depending on where you can get to. Like well, your... so like where in the early season of September here, like September 1st, it's so hot during the day. I mean, it's still in the thirties, right? So you have morning and evening and you don't have a lot of time in between. And like, yeah, you could get to them in the bed, but where I, where I've hunt, where I hunt them and where they position themselves, it is so like, I've done it so many times where I've gone in there in the midday and be like, I'm gonna try to get this, kill this guy in his bed that I end up blowing those deer out of there and they're gone. And then I lose the opportunity to hunt them in the evening or the next morning. So I kind of just work it. I work those two, I work the mornings and the evenings. Um, and then in the afternoons, you know, I'll, uh, maybe I'll go, you know, scout for elk or, or check trail cameras or do something or just go have some downtime or shoot my bow or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I, in the air, in the last couple of years, I've just, where I've been seeing like good quality, nice velvet bucks where I can get to where it's, you know, it's going to be a realistic bow shot. Those bucks, they just, they come out at night, they'll come into the openings feed but they put themselves in like, they put them in a, they put themselves, they situate themselves in a place that's the least precarious place for them. They know, right? They, they're yeah. smart. They're not dumb. And they're just, they're just really tricky. And like last year I got, the closest I got last year was when I missed that one at 72 yards and I should have hit him and he was a nice buck. And then, so I went out that night, I, I went out two days in a row. I cut my feet up so bad that night. I had to be at work the next day and I didn't go that day. I wanted to give him some time. And I came back the next day. So I think there was like, I came, yeah, I went out, went out, made the shot on that one, missed it that evening, busted my feet up really bad. I didn't go the next day. And then the next day I went out and they had already rubbed their velvet off. Yeah. So then I went out, then I focused on, I just packed it up, went for the end of September. Or sorry, if, the end of October. So I'm I'm hoping that you do get your velvet buck here. 
but let's say you end up having a hunt end of October, beginning of November for your buck. Is that going to change your timelines with yeah, just mobility? It, if your mobility doesn't change for the better. So the reason, the reason I hunt those deer in like the towards the end of September or sorry, I keep saying September, the towards the end of October is then that's just before the rut kicks in. Now I find those bigger bucks and bucks in general are more active like the week before the rut where there's maybe one or two does have gone into estrus and the scents out there. Now they're cruising around. Now they're looking, they're sparring. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're sizing themselves up to other bucks. They're not traveling in bachelor. They break off from their bachelor groups. They're moving a lot. They move all day. You know what I mean? Not just, not just like the early season when it's early morning, late evening, they're moving all day and you just have way better chances of seeing seeing bucks and they're a little stupid right they you know they they got one thing on their mind they worry about breeding i find if you're hunting the rut and you know that's still a good time to hunt but the thing is once they have their does situ like once they hook up with their does they're not as active they just kind of like they just keep their does away they push them away they want to keep them away from other bucks yeah. So I I don't the interaction I find is a lot better just before the rut. So that's why I always go if it doesn't happen early September for a, a velvet, then I I just resort back to end of October. Nice and it's worked I think. I mean I haven't not shot a muley, and I, I don't even know how long. So it just has worked. But I mean my goal every year is, you know I want a nice velvet buck. But I mean, it's tough. I mean, those you see velvet bucks going down already because you know, in a lot of states, I mean, even Alberta, I think it opens here pretty soon. I think my brother said the 24th where he is. Yeah. So, I mean, it, they have a much better chance of getting a velvet. Yeah, buck. They got a good week, good yeah. week to drop them, and they're cool looking too. I've, I've always wondered how do you taxidermy that? How do you save the velvet if you're going to do a mount of any kind? Well, the velvet, as long as they don't rub it off, it's on there pretty good. And then once the animal's dead, it dries hard on there. Yeah. So you don't so, really have to do anything fancy with it, spray it no, with anything? No, I mean, it all depends. Like, I mean, if you shoot it in a place and it runs off a cliff and, you know, it could damage a lot of the velvet there because when it's on, when they're still alive, before you know, it's still soft on there because there's blood vessels rolling through there. So, um. But yeah, when they rub it off and then, you know, it's a hard horn. No, maybe I'll just have to go shoot a muley, muley buck in velvet too. And I'll tell you. <laughs> you should. <laughs> you should. I. Yeah. I mean, if one pops in front of you, what yeah. would be like, so a little two by two walks in front of you, velvet muley, is he going down? No. You can let him put, No, I still, I, I still look at. The amount of meat like on an elk yeah. a spike elk it's like you say it's a small elk but it's not a small animal yeah i get a lot of meat off it still yeah but deer is a, a deer is a different story i don't antlers yes are you legal <laughs> great and yeah. then it's like is that worth me packing out because i don't really have any deer spots that i'm not packing out a kilometer and a half so yeah. it better be worth all the training that i've put in this year <laughs> i better be utilizing it and yeah. be like, okay, that was worth the pack out. If I get out and I get 30 pounds of meat, well, what 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 was the point in that? I might as well let that thing grow. And next year, I don't care about, you know, can't eat antlers. 
they're cool to look at, but you can't eat them. So yeah, I, well, I just I, want I, it yeah. worthwhile. Is that's why opinion. I'm asking because like, would you shoot that deer the last day of the season? No, because I do live by that philosophy where don't pass up the first day what you would shoot on the last day. Yeah, yeah. So, so no, I would, I've gotten in shit before for letting small bucks go. And it's like, yes, it's legal. Like even whitetails. And it's like, but seriously, there's, there's nothing on them. Like the freaking doe beside it has more meat on it than the buck. So why would I, why yeah, would I shoot There's that? some big does. I mean, my cousin loves shooting does and he's taking down some big does. You're like, Oh my God, look at the size of that thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, without a doubt. So yeah, deer, deer i definitely will have it's it's a body size thing it, it's not an antler size thing so yeah we'll see yeah a lot so, of whitetails this year i've been seeing so many whitetails that's good so have i yeah. which i'm surprised about i don't I, yeah, I, I don't know they're like it's crazy it's like i mean you know they just seem to keep coming out of the woodwork you figure with like being able to shoot all the does and take a buck at the same time, but they just keep coming along. Oh man. I'd but it's curious. like down that you talk to like in Montana, I think you're allowed to shoot five does. And like down in the some southern states like Georgia, you're allowed ten or twelve. Isn't it sometimes ten or you twelve have deer, but certain like I think only two bucks, ten of them have to be does. And like I know in Alberta, you're allowed you're allowed to shoot muley does. But you have to have a draw for a buck, or no, that's not right because you can you can have you can shoot a buck in archery, but you need an LEH for the rifle season. I think that's how it is in certain zones. Okay. I guess it all depends on what zone you're in. I don't know. Yeah, and I think I read I somewhere to too. That. Somebody from the states could definitely correct me, but I'm pretty sure I read in one state in particular, like you say, you're allowed X amount of deer per year. You have a buck tag and you have 